got your Bibles, please turn with me to Exodus chapter 4. You're going to have to buckle up a little bit today. We're doing like two whole chapters, but it's, it's a story. And you've got to do the story. Sometimes you can't just take the verse. You've got to do the story. <sighs> I'm looking around at a bunch of fools. Because you're fools with me, man. We're people who actually think that Jesus Christ died for our sins and it worked. Like the only thing that matters is that the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross has actually forgiven me of all my sins. And I come here to worship and it's impacted my life and all that's true. But the foolishness to the world is that it actually did something. That guy 2,000 years ago has covered me and cleansed me. And I'm free. And I want you to enter into that joy with me. You know what prevents me a lot is that I look at my life or the lives of people around me and I don't see a lot of change. Not just change. I I guess I don't even mean that so much. I see that our circumstances are still really hard. We're dying and we're suffering and we're not like conquering. You ever think that? I had a good friend a couple years ago, and he's a pastor, and he was talking to me about how God wants to heal everyone. I was like, boy, that's a really nice sentiment. What about my dad? He was in a wheelchair for 10, 15 years before the Lord took him home. Thousands of people praying for him. And he just sat there and suffered. I can imagine someone laughing at him and pointing, where's your God? He's in heaven. My dad's walking around right now in heaven. I believe it. Don't get me wrong. But that happens. Or you look at our society and you say, well, what's the foolishness of our politicians? And what are they, Lord, that you would cause a revival and we would return to you and we would go. And, and you say, wait a minute. And the other side's saying the same thing. And it's a, the problem with that right away is that we're not a Christian nation. That's the world. But out of the world comes God's people. And you say, well, the world's out there, but we're the church. Doesn't God take care of us? And yet we seem to suffer and we seem to have trouble. And so I want to share with you today from the Old Testament because God reveals who he is and the depth and the wonder and the depth of what he's already done for you and me frees us and we live by faith, not by sight. And yet even when we stumble in that, and I stumble in many ways. The truth still is, if you are God's, he's got you. Take it to the bank. Live in the truth of it. This is our faith. I want to show you this amazing story from the Old Testament. And, and it's, it's the story of them in the Exodus. And the Exodus, you got to think and realize the Exodus, right, is, is, is pointing forward to Jesus, right? Everybody says so. If you have half a brain, you can see it for sure. You see how this this deliverance God is going to do of his people from the world, from Egypt, and he's going to split the Red Sea, and he's going to take them through, and he's going to get headed towards the promised land, pointing forward to when Jesus will be our deliverer and our savior and take us through. Of course, what Jesus conquers is sin and death, and he resurrects us from the dead. That's my hope. So these pictures in the Old Testament, they start to look forward to Christ. And we pick it up today in Exodus chapter 4, verse 27. And and this story is about highs and lows. It's in the Bible to teach us that the favor of God is so much deeper. 
way stronger, way underneath everything, to not just look at the surface, but to have a heart that says, wait, this is my God, and he's got me. Okay, so remember that God's already told Moses, if you've been walking through us, and we've been walking through Exodus, God's already told Moses a couple times what's going to happen. And if you've read ahead or you've read Exodus before, you know, or if you've been to Sunday school, you know what's going to happen. But, but God's told Moses, Moses knows what's going to happen as we start today. God's told him that, that, that he's going to give him Aaron and, and they're going to go and they're going to talk to the Israelites and, and then they're going to talk to Pharaoh and Pharaoh's not going to let him go. And, and there's this whole thing that's going to happen. We're not even to the plagues yet. And this story is really interesting. So I want, want you to look with me first when things just go great. Great. Just like God said. So verse 27. And it says this, The Lord said to Aaron, Go into the wilderness to meet Moses. So he went and met him at the mountain of God and kissed him. This is the holy kiss. It's not some strange thing. But I'll tell you this, right? It's so cool because God has told Moses, hey, go and talk to Pharaoh. And Moses is like, well, I don't want to. Really, I don't, can't really talk very well. It's just, well, I'll give you Aaron. So what does God do? He does what he says, doesn't he? He goes and he gets Aaron and he says to Aaron, go to the wilderness to meet Moses. And so Aaron does it. And Moses told Aaron all the words of the Lord with which he had sent him to speak and all the signs that he had commanded him to do. And then Moses and Aaron went and gathered together all the elders of the people of Israel. So they went down to Egypt now and got together all the elders, all the leaders. And, and Aaron spoke all the words that the Lord had spoken to Moses and did the signs in the sight of the people. Remember those signs? It's like throw your stick down, your, your staff, and it becomes a snake, and then you pick it up by the tail, and it's a piece of wood again. Put your hand in your, in your um, vest pocket, and it comes out with leprosy, and then you put it in again, and it's gone. Throw some water from the Nile on the ground, and it becomes blood. So cool. God did all that, right? So, so they did the signs on the side of the people, and look, this is so cool. The people believed. And when they heard that the Lord had visited the people of Israel and that he had seen their affliction, they bowed their heads and they worshiped. This is awesome. This is just what I would think. God told Moses what to do. Moses goes and does it. The right results happen. This is a little paradigm in my head about how things are supposed to go. I mean, it's beautiful. The people believe and they worship proper and right and perfect picture and we understand it it fits how we think of god and his ways like if god tells you to do something do it it'll have success god arranges it all you know he got aaron there he's doing the actual miracles moses is just his mouthpiece and then we can close our bibles now and go home because god does everything perfectly and if he tells you to do something, he'll get it done. That's the story. We know it's true. We're good to go. The problem is we're not even nearly done with the story. So let's keep going. It's not just great. It's, uh, I'm calling it, um, uh, yeah, and it's just as God said again. Cousin chapter five, it keeps going. So afterward, of course, Moses and Aaron went and said to Pharaoh. So now they've left the elders, right? They met with the elders. They did these cool miracles. They believed. They worshiped. They're on board. They're, they're with them. Yeah, this is cool. And so now we're going to go talk to Pharaoh. 
Pharaoh's the big, the big kahuna. He's the king. So they went and said, Pharaoh, thus says the Lord. And again, I, I'm, I'm saying Lord, but when you ever see all caps like that, L-O-R-D, it's Yahweh. That's the name of God that has been now given to Moses. And we know that it's his name, Yahweh. So you could say, thus says Yahweh, the God of Israel, let my people go that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. That's interesting. The first I've heard of that. What, what is he saying? Well, I know eventually Pharaoh will let them go because God has already said so in chapter 4. We know Pharaoh's heart's going to be hardened, so we're not surprised that Pharaoh isn't going to let him go right here. But Moses is also doing a little bit different than I would have thought. He's saying, let him go so he can go worship in the wilderness. It's, uh, I need to hear more. So Pharaoh said, well, who is this Yahweh that I should obey his voice and let Israel go? I don't know Yahweh. Moreover, I will not let Israel go. Yeah. So they said again, this is... Moses and Aaron, the, the God of the Hebrews has met with us. So Yahweh's our, our God. He's the God of the Hebrews. Please let us go a three days journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to Yahweh our God, lest he fall upon us with pestilence or with the sword. Boy, this sounds like, I'm, I'm not sure, and we can't be sure, but it sure sounds like Moses is kind of contemporizing. Doesn't it seem like to you? Because God told Moses, we've been through it in chapter 4, we won't go back and go through it line by line, but what God said was, go talk to Pharaoh, tell him, let, let my people go. And Moses is like, uh, would you let us go just for three days? Uh, because otherwise he might strike us. It's almost like that's what they think gods are, right? They're ones, unless you like, get your obedience exactly right, that they'll strike you with pestilence, disease. Maybe Pharaoh would understand that. A view of the gods that Egyptians agree with doesn't work, of course. Because the king of Egypt said to them, Moses and Aaron, why do you take the people away from their work? Get back to your burdens. And Pharaoh said, behold, the people of the land are now many and you, feel t- and you want to make them rest from their burdens? Hmm. What is that to me, says Pharaoh, right? People aren't working as they're supposed to, and so here's what he does. Same day, Pharaoh commanded the taskmasters of the people and their foremen, you shall no longer give the people straw to make bricks as in the past. Let them go and gather straw for themselves. But the number of bricks that they made in the past you shall impose on them. They shall no no means reduce it for their idol. Therefore, they cry, let us go and offer sacrifice to our God. Oh, you see what they're doing? Pharaoh says, okay, fine, you're going to complain about you want to let us go have time off to go do stuff? I'll tell you what, you used to make bricks with straw, so you have a big pile of straw, and that's what goes in the bricks, and you mix it up with mud, and it makes a hard thing, and you get it to, now I'm going to make you take away the straw, and you've got to go find it. But do the same number of bricks, because you guys aren't working hard enough. Obviously, if you think you should have time off to go hang out and party with some god... Let heavier work be laid upon the men that they may labor at it and pay no regard to lying words. Again, you kind of know this is the thing. If you've been around Christianity at all or heard this story, Pharaoh's like, yeah, now you've got to make bricks without straw and you've got to go find the straw yourself. But you've got to make the same number, lazy people. 
So that's what they did, right? The taskmasters and the foremen and the people went out and he said to the people, thus says Pharaoh, I won't give you straw. Go and get your own straw, wherever you can find it. But your work will not be reduced in the least. So the people were scattered throughout all the land of Egypt to gather stubble for straw. They got to go find it. The taskmasters were urgent, saying, complete your work for the daily task each day when there was straw. I mean, you can kind of say, well, this doesn't, you know, I wish there was a way to make this come alive to us a little bit more, but it's, it's amazing, right? They're working, and they're working for the world, and God says, I'm going to free you, but now Pharaoh's saying, well, okay, fine. You're going to say you have time to go do that. you got to like, work harder, and we're going to make sure you work harder. We're going to put your nose to it taskmasters means people making them do it, right? What would you do? Here's what they did. The foremen of the people of Israel. So you've got taskmasters, they're the Egyptians, and they're making people work. You've got Israelites, they're in in, in service to, to the Egyptians, and they've got foremen, also leaders of them, trying to organize people. The foremen of the people of Israel, whom Pharaoh's taskmasters had set over them, were beaten and were asked, why have you not done all of your tasks of making bricks today as in the past? Like saying, hey, you used to have like a whole assembly line where you had the stuff to make the bricks, and then you made the bricks, and say you made 100 bricks a day. But now they took away all your stuff to make the bricks and just still make the same number. So they can't make them. They go back and said, we're trying but you didn't do it, and so they beat him. Why haven't you done your task of making the bricks? It's because we can't find enough. <laughs> You're making an impossible task on us. So then the foreman of the people of Israel, what do they do? They go, you know what the problem is? It's these taskmasters are being evil. We got to go directly to Pharaoh. Pharaoh will make it right. He's the leader. These guys are out of line. So they came and cried out to Pharaoh, why do you treat your servants like this? No straw is given to your servants, and yet they, those taskmasters, they say to us, make bricks, and behold, your servants are beaten, but the fault is in your own people. These taskmasters are not giving us straw. And Pharaoh said, you're idle. You're idle. That is why you say, let us go sacrifice to this Yahweh. Go now and work. No straw will be given you. You must still deliver the same number of bricks. Yeah, the problem is Pharaoh, right? They see it now. Pharaoh's the problem. He's ordering the taskmasters to make them work harder than possible. Why is he doing it? Because of the request that they would go worship God. This is really interesting, right? They're coming off of praising and worshiping God. They believe that God's going to deliver them. And now just a little time later, here's a, here's a little different reaction. This is what you need to see. The foremen of the people of Israel saw they were in trouble. Yeah, there's no way we'll be able to make this number of bricks. They were in trouble when they said, you shall by no means reduce your number of bricks. You shall daily task each day. So they met Moses and Aaron who were waiting for them as they came out from Pharaoh. And they said to them, Yahweh look on you and judge. 
because you have made us stink in the sight of Pharaoh and his servants and have put a sword in their hand to kill us. Wait a minute. I know this is what happened. I know this is a story for you and me today to understand. But, but will, you, will you back up with me and think through that Moses and Aaron come and they do these amazing miracles that God told them to do. And the people respond and they believe and they worship. And then what happens is not helpful to their life. Is God still going to deliver them? Yeah. Did God's word change? No. Did God tell Moses that Pharaoh was going to reject letting him go? Yeah. But now the people are what? Ticked off at Moses and Aaron. Why did the Lord judge you that you would make our lives harder like this? What are they thinking about? Their lives. There's a terrible thing that there are right there. They think Moses and Aaron messed up, and they, but, but Moses and Aaron did exactly what God said to do, and, and their predicament is exactly what God knows will happen, and a direct result of God knowing Pharaoh would say no, and you've got to th- start thinking through, how can this be? Is it possible that God actually is in the lows as well as the highs? Does God know he's put them in this predicament? Does he know it's going to get worse? Is it planned out that it's going to happen? And the answer all the way through has got to be yes. What about your life? Man, I came to trust Jesus and I came to know who he is and I, I came to start thinking this is my God and my king and he died for me and he's my God and he's the God of the universe and he can do anything. And then, and then Nothing. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You're not quite done with the story. The story keeps going. We got to finish it. So, so, so this, it's almost like though I put this picture like this up because and on your bulletin because it's a little bit like you're stepping off the end of a crummy dock into the water. It's like and I, I believe in God. I really think He's there, but my life doesn't seem to go that much better. In fact, if you're an Israelite right here, it's going tons worse. So it says in 522, Moses turned to Yahweh and he said, Oh, Lord, why have you done evil to this people? Why did you ever send me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he's done evil to this people and you haven't delivered your people at all. You told me you're going to do this, but it sure seems like evil is happening, not good. That's what I see with my eyes. That's what Moses says, right? Of course, you got to know before we even hit chapter six, you know, Moses, Moses knows what God's already told him that Pharaoh was going to say no. Moses just hadn't thought about what it means in terms of living in practical circumstances now. But God, but God comes in. But Yahweh said to Moses, now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh. For with a strong hand, he will send them out. And with a strong hand, he will drive them out of his land. And God spoke to Moses and, and said to him, I am Yahweh. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob as God Almighty, but my name, Yahweh, I did not make myself known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land to which they lived as sojourners, Moreover, I've heard the groaning of the people of Israel 
whom the Egyptians hold as slaves, and I have remembered my covenant. <laughs> he says, can you believe, I am God and I'm your God. I'm here and I hear the people. Don't think I don't. Say therefore, verse six, to the people of Israel, I am Yahweh, I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will deliver you from slavery to them. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm, with great acts of judgment. It's coming, he says. Right To these people who are suffering, the world is pushing at them, and they have the word of God, but they haven't yet seen the results of that word. And, and God says to them, not just I will redeem you, but something even deeper. What's the deeper? Right here. I will take you to be my people. And I will be your God. And you shall know that I am Yahweh, your God, who has brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will bring you into the land that I swore to give to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob. I will give it to you for a possession. I am Yahweh. This is so cool. God will judge, he will deliver, and there's a deeper, deeper promise in play because it's not just about God delivering one time. It's about God being their God. God actually, and phase one looked great. Moses went down and he told them and they understood and they believed and it's awesome and they worship and this is gonna be fantastic. And then phase two, that he actually goes to Pharaoh and it goes exactly like God says. He says no. And now, life seems harsh. And in the midst of it, we have God actually saying, I will bring you out. I will redeem you. I will be your God. And they are statements of truth. Because if you jump ahead, he does it all. So Moses goes and he tells this absolutely amazing thing to the people. It is fabulous. It's like we here, we say, hey, we're a bunch of fools that believe in Jesus and he died for us and we're free and our sins are forgiven. Yes and amen, it's so awesome. And, 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 then, and then cancer happens. Yeah, 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 but, 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 but there's more. There's, God's got you and he does. We say, yeah, but, but can't he do something for me? And so I, we get a little bit like these people because here goes Moses. He speaks this to the people of Israel. God's gonna do it. He's got you. He's got, and he's gonna be your God and he's gonna take you to the land and he's gonna, everything's gonna be fantastic. But they did not listen to Moses because of their broken spirit and harsh slavery. Dead reasons, Right? We have reasons why they don't listen to God. They have reasons why, hey, they did believe him, but when hard things come, it's so tempting and I don't really see it very well and I, I, I struggle. And so you're laid before you and I to see is the struggle. Well, it's a good thing Moses is so on it. Like they have that people who can struggle, but Moses won't struggle. He's, no way, look. So the Lord said to Moses, go in, tell Pharaoh in Egypt, 
king of Egypt to let the people of Israel go out, out of his land. But Moses said to the Lord, behold, the people of Israel haven't listened to me. How then shall Pharaoh listen to me? For I'm of uncircumcised lips. I don't want to do this. Find somebody else. Right? This is God, the Lord of all who's told Moses, this is what you're going to do and it's going to work and it's going. And Moses is the guy saying, no, 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 no. Right? The Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, gave him the charge about the people of Israel and about Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to bring the people of Israel out from the land of Egypt. Boom, crash, the curtain comes down. End of scene. Even Moses, right? That's <laughs> a whole lot of reading. A whole lot of reading to go through to understand. It's really about the people. God's word is faithful the whole time. It doesn't alter. It doesn't change. He's got a plan. He's doing it. It's fantastic. It's going to end with them in the promised land. It's like totally, if they just hang on, it's going to get so much amazingly better. And, and God has going to take them through miraculously through the Red Sea. It's going to split. They're going to see plagues and miracles like they've never seen in their, all their life. But not right now. I mean, a couple critical points, right? That's the whole story that we have for today. What do we receive? Okay, I receive God says he's going to save them, and it remains to be seen if he, if he will, but he says he's going to. And that so reflects to me what God says to you and me. Jesus Christ says, I go to prepare a place for you. Is it true? Amen, it's true. Can I have a hallelujah? It's true. He's setting a place for us. We say he's going and he's going to prepare a place for you and me. But you know what? It doesn't seem like it. It doesn't seem like it. So often. And, and God says his salvation is deeper and more wonderful than you'll ever know. And it doesn't look like life suddenly getting better. I don't care what your life looks like now in some respects. Because it often doesn't look blessed. It is. Don't get me wrong. God's so kind to us, and, and he's so, he heals our diseases. He does amazing things for us, but he never promises that he's going to do that. You know what he promises me? He's going to raise me from the dead, and you too, and death has no hold on us, and, 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 and we'll rise, and we'll be with him forever and ever. Like this verse in the New Testament, right? In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, it says this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. And the way that it's preparing us is it's allowing us not to trust at all in anything here, but to put our full trust on what God in Christ is going to do when he resurrects you from the dead. That's why we're believers. We're trusting in what we don't see. You know what I do all the time? I mean, I, I mistake that I make is that I look at how my life's going to decide if God's for me, and I do that a lot. It's like, man, everybody, everything fell into place for that guy. God sure has blessed him. And then I say, well, everything falls apart for that guy. What did he do wrong? Because God's kind of like this cosmic doser of benefits to people, and if they're doing well, he gives good things, and if he's doing poorly, he gives bad things, and that's just wrong, because there's something huger and bigger and deeper going on that God delivers us from our sin and we die and then we're hid in Christ and we don't look like nothing. It looks like we're actually cursed, but God's going to raise us on the last day and that's our faith. 
What promises has he made to you? And if it's that he'll be your God, which he has promised you in Christ, he will. God in Christ is more than we could ever hope for, deeper and wider and underneath. His salvation does not include your best life now. At least not in seasons, right? Certainly not for the Israelites as they're waiting for God to act. And we don't know how long that period was, but it wasn't a day. It could be a year. It could be five years. I know how many people were surprised to realize Moses had been in the wilderness for 40 years, living his life before God grabbed him, and he's 80 years old coming back to Egypt. How long? God just said, yeah, I'm at work, but it has nothing to do with your timeline and nothing to do with your plan, and you've got to trust him the whole way. And what it means is God does what he says. We'll see it. He doesn't work like we do, and that's a problem for us because we're tempted not to believe him, and his salvation is not less that, but more than we could ever hope for. So please, 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 don't get caught here. Don't think that we're building America to be Christian. Don't think that your home is the home you live in, if you have one. Know that your home is with God forever and that your life is caught there. And when you fail, you're going to, you know, because this text says, right, our spirits get broken or we're in slavery and oppressed and that happens to people. This world gets you down. Do you know what the Pope still is? It's not that somehow you'd hear a sermon like today. Oh, well, let's see. I'm going to make you happy again. No, it's I'm going to press into you. Do you realize God is for you? Do you realize God is for you? Do you realize God has said he's your God? And even when we fail, it's that Jesus is faithful. He's the one, right? He's going to take us out of the world. And life is based on him for you, not you for him. If it's about how well I'm doing for Jesus, it's going to be so terrible because I fall down. But if it's about Jesus for me, that's where life is because he never fails. And it looks like we're walking on this dock. And if you have your bulletin, look at the front page. Let's take a look. We're walking on that dock. Just think, I'm walking on that dock and I'm walking out this old crummy dock and I'm gonna get to the end and I'm gonna fall off into the water because it's so crummy and lame. That's what Christianity looks like. Don't get it wrong. Don't think it's like, oh, if I love the Lord, he'll shower wealth on me. It looks like nothing. But actually, It's the God who raises people out of the water, having been united in his death and therefore living in his life to be with him forever. And that's us fools that say our hope is in Jesus. Would you receive him? Let's pray. Lord, thanks for what you've done. And you've done so much for us. Forgive us, Lord. We are so fickle. I know I am, Father, and I confess it, that I am constantly (laughs) uncertain of your favor towards me because I look at my circumstances. And Lord, I pray for those in our body, even right here, Lord. We pray for those of us who trust in our wealth and in our stuff. Help us, Lord, 
to abandon that hope and the hope in your son, Jesus. And for those of us who are tempted to think you're not for us because things aren't going as we think they ought to go, forgive us, Lord. Help us to again come to your cross where you died for us and your blood covers us. And for us to know deeply the wonder that you're for us. Thank you, Jesus, that you've paid it all. And we're amazed that it worked. It's in your name we pray. Amen.